the bat good morning. As the basket's going around, don't want to shortchange that. Uh, and before the kids uh, get dismissed, maybe it's uh, we have a family March Madness pool, so I'm just enjoying the competition, or it's the fact that our sermon today is about fairness. But I wanted to play this little trivia game uh, to start out. Uh, and I asked a couple people to do it. Uh, uh, one uh, was my son, Will. Yeah, you can come up. Uh, Davis, no applause needed, trust me. Uh, Davis uh, Brooks, he said he'd come. And I think Charlotte Marie uh, Sturtz. It's going to be good. Uh, we uh, are playing uh, four, just so you know. This is the real deal. Bag of Skittles. Well, I have more packs just in case we talk, you know? I'm the man of, uh, I want to make sure. Okay, here we go. There's yours. There you go. Let's get these. Here we go. Charmar. No cheating. No cheating. Here you go. Get those markers open and out and ready. All right, here's your first question. And we're going to do them rapid fire. If you don't know it, just guess real fast because, you know, we got a time limit here. Uh, First question, who's the lead singer of U2? Write it down, write it down, write it down. Who's the lead singer of U2? Five seconds. Next one, who was John F. Kennedy's vice president? Hey, 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 no cheating, no cheating. Who is John F. Kennedy's vice president? You're supposed to do it at number one, number, yeah. Last question, last question. Name, it was recently Pi Day. Name the last six, after the decimal point, name the first six numbers. All right, try to write it down. All right, now, let's reveal our answers. Show them to the crowd, show them what you have. Let's see, Davis, Charmar. Bono, everyone got Bono, a true legend. President, Lyndon B. Johnson, LBJ, that's correct. No, nothing for that one, so nothing. And then for Pi, wow, you did more than six numbers, 0. 0.14159265, that's incredible. Davis, congratulations, out of nowhere. What are you talking about? All right, you know what? You know what? We're, we're people of grace. You can all have one. You have to share. You cannot open it before we leave. There you go. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing. Round of applause. Kids, you may be dismissed. You may be dismissed. Leave that on the, uh, that, yeah, nothing bad is going to happen if you take that downstairs. Leave that there. All right, as they go. Will you guys uh, pray with me? Lord God, as we think about uh, the places in our life that we struggle, uh, I pray that your word this morning might speak to those sensitive areas and we might begin to see how your ways 
offer us uh, a path forward so that even in the places of pain and discomfort that we might find true life in you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we are doing throughout Lent in this series, we're calling Thin Places, these areas of our life, like I said, where uh, oftentimes we find to be a place of struggle, but I believe is also the very place where God is at work and where we can meet him. Uh, we are looking at stories in the beginning part of Genesis today, Genesis 4. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flock, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel uh, also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I briefly mentioned, today we are talking about fairness, how this sense of fairness or how life might sometimes feel unfair can can be a very difficult spot, but I believe it is a thin place where, where we might meet God. And this idea of fairness, it might sound childish. You might have had a kid this morning say, you know, scream with like, that's not fair. It's, it's something that we hear quite often. But I think that this story, if we were to look at it, it is driven by issues of fairness. It's not the only thing going on, but the itch, the itch that Cain feels that, that first motivates him to act in a, in a sinful way is that he feels like he has been treated unfairly. And I'm convinced that so many of our own actions, not, not just unrighteous ones, but, but righteous ones, are driven by this same motivation. So I think it is an important thing. I think we, we, we underestimate how much fairness dictates how and why we act. And so I want to dig into this topic today through this text, and I want to do so by asking three questions. What is fairness? Why can fairness lead to problems, or to use the language of the text, how, well, you know, why does fairness allow sin to, to crouch at our door? 
And then finally, how can fairness encourage us toward a life of faith? Sound good? Yeah, it has to. I'm going to keep going. What is fairness? First question. Fairness, this is my definition. I didn't even look it up in Webster's. And then, so, whatever. Fairness is how I put it. It is a framework we use to navigate a world where brokenness abounds and people instinctively look out for their own interests. In essence, I think like fairness is how we play nice. It's, it's, it's how we play nice with one another. Even when we're looking out for ourselves, even when brokenness is all over the place, it's sort of how we can maintain relationships. And of course, this is often helpful and good. You know, many social scientists say that, that fairness is the foundation of a moral society. Without it, you're not going to have a moral society. And we learn ideas of fairness early on. Like as soon as your kid figures out that fairness is a thing, they become like obsessed with it. They're obsessed with it. And, they, and we end up throughout the rest of our life using it to navigate our way through the world. And this can be like a really good thing. Fairness, it is a tool to recognize needs outside of ourselves, to try to be people who, who stand for what's right and right what's wrong. In the men's Bible study, we're actually going through uh, Genesis. Walter's leading us through Genesis. And when we read this text, there were a number of people who, who recognized that it seemed as if Cain was kind of treated unfairly. And wanted to stand up for him, not to justify his actions, but to say, I mean, it's kind of hard. King, King kind of gets a raw deal. And we do do this. I mean, even more to the point, when we hear uh, stories coming out of Ukraine or, or we see those images, what we think is, this is not fair. This is not right. And it helps us to empathize with people and to want to make things right. And that all then, therefore, leads us to a logical question of like, well, why can fairness lead to problems? Why is it even an issue? And I'd offer two very important reasons. And the first is this. Fairness is always subjective. Always. It's based on personal expectations and values and desires. Fairness, it eventually is going to come down to opinion or perspective. Take our little contest here. Depending on your perspective, you might have noticed or thought something was fair or unfair. So like when we first started, when I called up Charlotte Marie, some of you are like, well, that doesn't seem very fair to have a trivia contest with a couple of kids and an adult. And then some of you at the end, when I gave everyone a Skittle, you might have said, well, that's not fair either. Davis won. Why is everyone getting Skittles? And then, of course, some of you, my son leading the pack, might have, and I'm not saying this happened, but might say, well, it wasn't very fair that Davis appeared to get all the answers beforehand. And I say, I don't know if that happened. Maybe Davis is just really into pie. I don't know. But, you know, and some of you might be like, I don't really care. It was fun. It doesn't matter. But depending on your perspective, your, your values, where you sit, you notice what you thought was fair or unfair. And this is true in our scripture too. Of course, some of us might think 
that Cain is treated unfairly, but his perspective only amplifies that. Because Cain, of course, is, is the firstborn, and in, in that culture, uh, he would have, uh, the firstborn was treated, it was fair to treat the firstborn with more honor, for them to have more respect. And so, that, and so then when he is actually rejected, it makes it feel even worse. And so what I'm just trying to say is that fairness, it is going to be subjective. It doesn't make it bad. It's just from our perspective. But that typically means eventually we will use fairness as a way to advocate for ourselves or to validate how we feel. We use words like, I deserve, or can you believe this person did? Or if we're in an argument, we say, what about this or we use it to justify by saying I'm just trying to whatever what we mean is I have recognized for myself what is fair and now let me explain why and the reason that we have to rely on our own perspective gets us to the second reason that fair fairness is a problem and that is that God is not fair it's not fair. You know, reflectively, we want to say, well, that can't be right until we say, well, what if God did treat me fairly? And then we're like, yeah, 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 God's definitely not fair because we don't want to be treated fairly by God. That is the foundation of grace to be loved, to be given new life that we did not earn, that we do not deserve. This is who God is. And yes, God cares about righteousness. God cares about justice, making things right. But did you know that in the New Testament, that righteousness and grace come from the exact same word? Same word. They're just, depending on the context, translated differently. And so it's like, does God care about righteousness? Absolutely. But how does God make things right? by grace, not by fairness. That is the way of Jesus. And all of a sudden, when we realize that, we see this idea of sin crouching at our door. It begins to make a little more sense. You know, when we remember that sin literally means to miss the mark, you know, God is telling Cain, I know that you don't think things are fair, but if you are going to base your life on that, if you are going to just try to right that wrong by your own will, you are going down a path that is not the way of life. The pursuit of fairness, it will not end well. As the biblical scholar Ellen Davis writes, unjust acts most often stem from a vague but comprehensive sense that the world owes me something. I want you to think about, this is a hard thing to admit, how often we have a comprehensive sense that someone or something owes us. Sin is crouching at our door. So how can our sense of fairness then lead to faith, our final question? 
And in this series about thin places, I just think this is the critical question because fairness, just like the other things that we've talked about, just like loneliness and brokenness, these are things that are a part of life. They can't and they shouldn't be avoided. But I do believe God is in here and inviting us a different way. And so what I would offer you is where we are tempted by fairness or experience unfairness is just to do one of these four things. Be a person who confesses, laments, shows grace, or shows gratitude. And very quickly, I just want to run through these things. First with confession. Where we are angry. Do you get angry about things? I do. Yesterday, my daughter took a Sharpie and wrote all over her room. I was angry. Didn't feel very fair. Where we are angry, where we are self-righteous, where we are judgmental, it might be good to ask if we are trying to live a moral life that is less than what God has invited us into. If we are trying to live by fairness instead of grace. And I just think what a transformative moment it would have been for Cain if he could have confessed, hey God, this does not seem fair and I do not see another way forward. Could you help me? What a transformative moment to confess that that is where we are. And I wonder where are you like that? What relationship, what area of your life, and if you'd be willing to confess. And then the second way is, is to lament. And we lament because many of you, and I want you to hear this, many of you are dealing with unfair situations. And that is not good. I want you to hear that. That is not good. You know, when you are struggling with illness, when we look and we say, the things happening in Ukraine, that is unfair. That is not good. But I think that we should be honest about that. So often, at least for me, what I do is I get angry and then I justify my anger. Instead of just honestly lamenting and saying, like, I feel like I'm getting a raw deal, God, lamenting that. If we would do that, I believe our prayers would sound a lot like the Psalms. They'd sound a lot like Jesus. And I believe that we might recognize where God is inviting us to uh, live in a different way. But we got to be honest. So we confess. We lament, and then we show grace. For whether the unfairness that we feel is real or whether it is just something that's felt or, or manufactured or something like that, I believe that the answer to unfairness for Cain, for us, for Jesus, is to be people who show grace. And for the sake of time, I just want to offer you just one trivial example of this in my own life. I'm not a person who is uh, good at remembering names. And it's a weird thing that happens, and this is the weird thing about fairness. No one has ever accused me of being bad at names. But sometimes I'll forget someone's name or not remember their name, and I'll feel a little guilty. And then I get a little angry at no one. 
because no one said anything. But I'm like, how dare anyone be mad that I forgot their name, even though no one said that yet? How dare they get mad? I, it's hard for me to remember so many people's names. And then I'm all of a sudden like justifying. I'm like, it's not fair that people would expect me to know their names. What, no one said anything. It's crazy. But we all do something of this sort. Uh, and I, it would just go on and on. It would be an empty road. Sin just crouching at my door. Or all of a sudden I'm judgmental to people who haven't even shown me judgment. It's terrible. Finally, I was like, this is not the way of life. So what do I do now? When I set, all of a sudden recognize that I do not, I'm having trouble remembering someone's name, I start to pray for them. Start to pray for them. And you would be shocked how quickly you will remember someone's name if you are praying for them on a regular basis. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I believe in the places where we are experiencing or are feeling things are being done unfair, if we can step into grace, we will find that the Lord shows up and offers us a better way forward. And finally, we might be people of gratitude. For certainly, each of us here has been given more than we deserve in some way or another. And a lot of times we try to defend that or smother it or we feel guilty about it. But my invitation to you is where you have been dealt with unfairly, when you have, where you have been dealt a hand that is far beyond what you deserve, to name it and to be grateful, to express with gratitude what you have been given. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of grace. So put simply, where we have settled for fairness instead of faith, be a person of confession. Where we experience unfairness, lament. Where we do not notice things, where, where we notice things are not fair, grace. Where we have been given more than we deserve, gratitude. For friends, we cannot make the world fair. But the good news of Jesus Christ is we do not need to. We worship the God of grace. May we be marked by this truth and be this kind of people. Will you pray with me? Jesus, the story of Cain and Abel, it seems almost to the extreme. And yet if we're willing to be honest so often in our life, we have sinned crouching at our door for the same reasons as Cain. Instead of choosing your way of life, we have missed the mark and we have searched for meaning in a way that we will never find it. Trying to will our way to rightness and will the world towards righteousness. And yet you have shown us a different path. So this morning, I pray that we might be a people who confess and lament so that we can choose your way of grace and gratitude. God, make this a thin place for us. And we thank you that you meet us here. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.